Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Justification. I'm going to talk about justification by faith. Now, our foundational text is going to be from Romans chapter 3. Romans was written by Paul to present an aspect of the workings of God, so long as salvation is concerned. So he presents how human beings, by from chapter 1, human beings by religion cannot be acceptable to God. So it presents the dark condition and unfortunate or miserable condition of humanity, which cannot be corrected, which cannot be helped through religion. So the religious people are not acceptable by God. Neither are sinners acceptable by God. So you can be religious, but it does not mean you are accepted by God. Religion is man having to do something in order to win God or to please a God. And that does not win the heart of God or does not win the attention of God, gain the attention of God, religion. And Paul presented his gospel. Now, Paul's gospel, I'm going to say something interesting. Paul's gospel, say Paul's gospel. Theologians believe that Romans is the post gospel according to Paul. But it's really not technically a gospel. I, I almost tweeted something, uh, put something on Twitter. Was it yesterday or the day before yesterday? But I waited. Probably might have said it here before. That preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Yeah. I don't know if you have heard something like that before. Yeah. Preach the gospel. What does that mean? People should say the gospel through how you live and not just what you say and through how you live it. So it's believed that St. Augustine said that, that preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. So in other words, you necessarily don't have to be using words to talk to people. You have to just live it out. Which, which he understand, that, is it not understandable what she's saying? Other than that, your life will be divorced from what you claim to, to believe. But actually, through my studies, I found out that that is a wrong, it's not biblical. Because the gospel is not a habit to behave, it's a history to tell. <laughs> the, <laughs> The, the gospel is not a habit to behave. It's the history to announce. What the gospel, do you know what the gospel is about? The gospel according to 1 Corinthians, those of you have done the foundation class and you have done your assignment. <laughs> the gospel, it's part of it. What is the gospel? Put it on the screen, let's see. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and verse 4. Let's all read this together. Let's go. So I deliver to you, first of all, 
that which I also receive. That what? Verse 4. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. The life, death, burial, and resurrection of our Christ. So we proclaim the gospel. Now, if we say that live the gospel, then the focus is on you. But you are not the focus. Now, we proclaim the gospel, but our lives will testify what we proclaim. But the gospel is supposed to be announced. Tell someone Christ died for you. How can your life be that? Tell someone, Christ died for you, Christ was buried for you, and resurrected for you, so you can be forgiven of your sins. <laughs> That's very strong. So uh, one of the things I found out, if we don't read and we don't study, a lot of things gently come in and water down the strength of the gospel. The gospel is supposed to take through the scriptures. They went around declaring the gospel about Christ Jesus. And the gospel that he was born, he died, he lived a, a, a holy life, he died, he was buried, resurrected. So death, burial, and resurrection, that is where we get born again. Now watch this. So when we talk about justification, that is where justification, the, the bedrock of every Christian believer has everything to do with justification. One great man of God says that the justification is like the, the, the hinge on upon which all the doors of Christian doctrines and Christian belief tends. Justification by faith alone. Say justification by faith alone. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Oh, God, I love this. Anytime I want to read this, it gets my, my heart excited. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth must be stopped. And all the world may become guilty because before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Right? So, Ten Commandments and all the law, do this, do this, don't do this. It didn't, it didn't come so that you become righteous. It came so that, <laughs> look at the, the last bit I read, the last part of verse, uh, verse 20. For the law... So, so by the law is the knowledge of sin. So you know sin. And actually, I think chapter 5 verse 20 talks about the law came that sin may abound. Right? Did you see that? Let's not read it from the screen. Let's read it. Uh, offense may abound. But where sin abound, grace abound. So say grace. Say grace. So the law was not given to you for you to be good. The law was given for your sins to be many. <laughs> the law, you see, somebody puts it this way, said, the law is the straight edge by which we can tell how crooked we are. So there, there, there was no problem with the law itself. But human beings are fundamentally flawed. So when the straight edge of God comes near us, it shows how bad we are. Does that make sense? Does anyone identify with that? Yeah. Um, I don't know how many of you were a bit religious like me before you became born again. I was very religious, as I have been saying. Going to church 14 times a week. And then midday, go and ring the church bell. Did you break my record? I was going to church 14 times a week. Very, but I wasn't born again. And I'll go and prepare communion. 
I'll wear the cassock, follow further. Very pious, very good. I was good at it. You can't beat me to it. But I didn't know Christ of the Bible. I was very religious. So, but I discovered that I was still lost. And the more I tried to do good to please God, I couldn't. Now, Martin Luther put it this way. He said, I think when he discovered the gospel, he says that when he found out, okay, let's go and let me, let me show you something. I think I'll show you something. It's very interesting. All right, verse 21. That's where the meat is. Verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So even the law and the prophets witness to it. They say that, like the law and the prophets say that, yes, that's it. So it does, it does not contradict the law. The, can you imagine? Righteousness. Say righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is like being okay. All right? Being right before God. And all that religion has always taught us is you have to do some things in order to appear right before God. All right? So if you don't do it, how many of you know about that? Before you became born again, and some of us are even born again, you know that you have to do some things in order to appear right before God. All right? So... Um, religion teaches us that you have to do this, do A, B, C, D, and then you have to be right before. That's why there are a lot of religious people who actually are not born again and are in churches. They are in church. My mom, so she become, became born again. She, my parents were so religious. My dad became born again before he died. My father used to fast a lot. But he didn't really know Christ. But he was very religious. So religion teaches you to do things. It asks you to do this, do this, do this so that you can be accepted by God. Watch this. It is actually, it's, it's perverse all human cultures, particularly in the past or in ancient times. You hardly find a group of people who don't worship. You go to extreme parts of the world. I'm not talking about Christianity. Every group of people have some form of worship and some belief in a deity. And so they believe sometimes when the storms are coming, they say the gods are against us. And so most people had, in most cultures, there was this inbuilt system of morality so that we can appease the gods. So then there was always this inbuilt desire to do right in order to appease or do something to satisfy the gods. So when it comes to Christianity, a lot of people to know that you have to do A, B, C. That's why people, most people who grew up maybe in some of the established churches, went to established uh, church schools and stuff like that, and were not born again, they talk about Ten Commandments. Because they feel, that's, that's, the, that's the reason behind atheism. Because they know that if I say God is God, then I have to begin to behave properly because I'm going to be accountable to a God. And they don't want to know, and they don't want to know that. So the best way is, there's no God. Don't talk about God. Why is it that everybody can mention their religion? But when you mention your religion, certain people get very infuriated and very angry. Because they know that you are bringing this God who's coming to put demands on us and the restriction on our behavior. And they, they want to they say it's a free world. You have to behave the way you want. It doesn't matter. That once it doesn't hurt anybody, that is fine. Behave the way you want. It's in, it's in human beings, okay? Now, the point I'm making here is that Righteousness outside, watch this, appearing right, okay, before God, outside of obeying certain rules, has appeared. That's what he says. He said, verse 21, look at verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, 
the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Huh? So you can be righteous without doing. Tell me about it. Hmm. Because it's never in human history that you can, God will accept you without you having done anything. Watch this. The righteousness that passed from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. There is no difference. We are all the same. Everyone needs help. I like this song. Everyone needs compassion and love that's never failing. Everyone needs help. So he said, he said, he says, oh, verse, look at Let's read the verse 23 together. Let's go. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One more time. How many have sinned? How many? You remember, you, can you realize that it starts with four? It's a reason. Because all have sinned. Why did he say because all have sinned? Because the righteousness of God, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. Not, no, nobody's exempted. Everyone who believes, uh, uh, there's no difference because all of us have, have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now follow me very carefully. Verse 24. Let's read it together. Let's go. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. One more time. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, who God set forth as the propitiation by, by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because, because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he, God, talking about God, that God might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Now, so there are three major terms in this scripture we've read, which I just want to jump on quickly. Three major terms. The first one, both in, 20, uh, in verse 24 and verse 25. The first one there is justification. Let's all say justification. justification. Please say it again. So if... The Bible is yours. Underline justification. And if you have a pen and a notepad, you can write down justification. Then the second term, do you see in that text, which is not really familiar to, uh, not, not like common term, it's quite a strong term. Redemption. What? Redemption. What do you say? Redemption. So we all say that. Redemption. So first term, justification. Second, redemption. And then the verse 25. You can underline redemption, the 25. Verse 25, what does it say? Who God set for to be what? To be what? Propitiation. So write the next term, propitiation. I'm going to take time to explain redem- um, justification, redemption, and propitiation. Justification, redemption, and propitiation in this step. Now, quickly, let me take propitiation first. Okay. What is propitiation? To propitiate. Um, it means to appease, win or regain the favor of God by doing something that pleases him. All right. Now, actually, these words are words of a, a terms of ancient living, which all of which demonstrate some aspects of their lifestyle, their living. One, the propitiation was a religious or sacrificial term. I made, I made mention of something. When the gods are angry, 
How many of you have heard these stories before? Maybe they said the gods are angry, so they have to sacrifice a cow. And yeah, depending on where it is, some, some barbaric people will sacrifice human beings. It was common. They will sacrifice human beings. Actually, you remember the story? The story of, oh, I forgot his name. The king of Edom. When they were fighting, you shall not see wind, you shall not see rain. And yeah, Kings chapter 3, verse 29, Bible says that when he saw that the battle was feared, he, fierce, he took his first son and sacrificed him. And there was great indignation against Israel. Now, that's propitiation. Propitiation is to present something in order to appease the wrath or the anger. What it means is that I have, I have, I have offended you. Okay, I have smashed your iPad. And you are very wrong. And you're not distraught or you're very upset. And I come, I said, you know what? I admit what I have done. How much is it? I'm going back. I'm going to Oxford Circuit to get you a new one. And I go and get it. Guess what? I come back. He's appeased. That is propitiation. Right. But propitiation has to do with human beings and God or deity. Get it? So now, but interesting. Go back to the text. I want to show you something in the text. That who God said, talking about Christ, okay, who God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. So Christ was set forth to be our propitiation so that all the bad things that we have done for God to be appeased is not like any extra sacrifice you have to do. Christ is the only one who appeases and satisfies God. Did you realize he didn't have to do anything to appease God? Christ have to do it. Say Christ alone. Say Christ alone. Christ alone had to come and say, God, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to appease you by presenting my blood, okay? By the propitiation by his blood to faith. So he presented his blood. He died to satisfy the wrath of God. To satisfy. So when you're talking about human beings and a deity, human beings and a God who has been offended, for the God, see, God were so powerful. As the, uh, uh, the ancient stories will tell us, the myths and all that, the gods are powerful. And so sometimes there may, be no, there may not be rain for months, and then they will consult the priests of the shrine. And he said that the gods have been angry because the first son of the king was um, betrayed. So the gods are angry. And so that we have to satisfy the gods. So they said we need about seven cows or three legs of a goat or something like that. Now, Jesus Christ said that, Lord, I present myself to satisfy you on the behalf of this sister who has committed so many abortions. So God, till on the cross, where's Jesus that the wrath of God would satisfy. So now God cannot have it against you that I am angry, I am angry because his wrath has been satisfied not by your words, but by the blood of Christ. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, there is in, 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 in the Old Testament there was what we call expiation and propitiation. Propitiation is to appease and expiation is to take away. So that's why when Jesus appeared, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, John said, John chapter, John, I think John chapter 1, verse 29 or so. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All right? So, so he takes away. When he died, he took away the sins. He took away. So expiation took it away from us. All right? Propitiation 
has to do with appeasing the wrath of God. So God's wrath has been appeased. Remember that. So one term is propitiation. And it was something they were, watch this, it was something they were doing in those times. They understood it. Even though they were practicing it as pagans, not in Christ or not in God. They were practicing as pagans. Some of them were operating with more strict proper course of conduct than most of us in church. My friend said, some of us in church, the way we behave towards Christ, if this attitude, we take it to the occult, they will kill us quick. You know that? In the occult, they don't, they don't mess about. If they said, kneel down, you do. If you don't kneel down, you are gone. Your head is gone. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have, have meddled in the occult before, but they don't take, no, no. They don't take nonsense. No, no space for nonsense, no room for nonsense. Do you understand what I'm saying? And uh, some of you have watched movies, or uh, or African movies, or uh, movies where someone goes for special powers to get wealth, and they, t- they tell him that don't, don't, uh, don't marry. So he finds one woman, goes to marry, and every, the whole, all hell turns. Some of us, we will come to church, and God will be giving us instruction. We will just, we can't go. Even when we are fasting, you go and be eating. And then you come, <laughs> and you say, God, I have come, but I put progress in the box. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the text. So propitiation was a religious terminology. And then the second word, the second term there was what? Redemption. redemption. What is redemption? Redemption connotes commerce. Okay. Redemption is trade. Pawn brokers. You sell some stuff and then you go ahead. Sometimes I think there are some people you can go and give them your stuff. They get you the money and then later on, you send the money back or whatever, you pay with the interest, and then do what? Take, that's called redemption. All right? So, rede- so redemption is not something very spiritual in itself. It was a normal day-to-day commercial language. All right? So watch it. There was a religious terminology there, and there is a commercial terminology there that Jesus Christ, is, you can't, re- listen, when you talk about redemption, you're talking about something paid. Now, I forgot to show you a scripture on propitiation in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Look at that quickly. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. It says that, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. Did you see that? Who is, that, who is the propitiation for our sins? Know what you have done? Know what you have done? So it's Christ alone. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. All right? Now, chapter 4, verse 10. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. In, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be what? The propitiation for our sins. So he came to, you have sinned, you have sinned, you have done some bad stuff, but God's, God, God must be at peace and say, okay, it's okay, it's okay, so calm down, calm down, God, calm down, calm down, it's okay, leave him alone. Jesus, that's why he's saying, can you imagine, you sinned against God and he sends Jesus Christ to come and die to appease him. Because there's no way you can satisfy the wrath of God. Now, this is the Christian gospel. Yeah. All right. Now, in um, redemption, when we talk about redemption, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, Bible talks about how we are not redeemed by, see, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But how are we redeemed? That? But we are redeemed by what? The pressure of blood. You say redemption. It's through the blood. Say redemption. It's through the blood. 
Now, in, I like this one. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. That's a nice one. That's a nice one. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, take it to yourself and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the, the church of God, which he did what? Purchased. God went to the market to buy you and I. He has done what? He's purchased with his own blood. You've been bought. That's redemption. So redemption means that I lost my Bible because I gave it to you because I needed money. I gave it to you in exchange for some money. <laughs> Excuse me. I gave my Bible to him in exchange for some money. But I need my Bible because my, grand, my great-great-grandmother left it for the family. Uh, it has some sentimental value. And I... Now, later on, I go and here is your money. Take your money. I get it back. So redemption is that God has gotten you back to himself. God got us back to himself. God, that's why we can boldly say that we belong to Jesus. We belong to God. But how did he do that? Did you have to pay anything? Who did the payment? Jesus. Now, Jesus did not pay the price. Though we, we were in the hands. No, it's true. Most of us didn't know. Though we were in the hands of the devil, Jesus did not pay the price of his blood to the devil. He paid the price to the justice of God. The justice of God. So on the cross when Jesus Christ, the wrath of God was satisfied. So he paid the price to the justice of God and because justice, the, God didn't have a problem with us again. There was no animosity. There was no enmity between us again and God again. And so because of that, the, the, Satan couldn't keep us and Jesus collected us from Satan. So he didn't pay the price to, the Satan, to Satan, but we were in the hands of the devil. Does that make sense? I'm redeemed. Anyone who is not redeemed, Satan got him. Oh, yes, that's true. Because you are still on Satan's market. <laughs> so this is why, can you imagine, a Christian sister or a Christian brother, you are going to marry an unbeliever. He's not redeemed. Satan got him. So don't, don't just think about this whole thing. Oh, it's someone I like. He looks nice. Someone I like. She looks nice. She looks cool. She has uh, the... the one popular thing they will say, or one common thing they all say, is that she's well behaved, you know. She's even better than a lot of people in church. Hey! Yes, yes, yes. He may, she may be better than other people in church, but don't forget that this one, Satan got him. And you, Satan has not got you. And Satan is looking for you. And you go and make a contract with someone Satan got. That means Satan is have direct access and he will mess you up. Big time. So redemption is set. Jesus has taken us, paid the price for us to come back to God. Now, what's the third word, term there? One more time. Say it again. I'm taking my time to explain these things for us to get it very clear. Very interesting. There was this man, some of you have heard his name, most of us have heard his name, called Martin Luther. He, in the dark ages, there was a period in history which historians call dark ages. It's called dark ages because of the loss of gospel of God and the move of God and 
you know, the things of God was really lost. And the church at that time was, the established church was the Catholic church. After the early church, there was a long period where the church went into decline and where the gospel was missing. Okay, so church became ritualistic. Church became religion. And up to now, there's a lot of established religious churches. And there are people, no, the good thing is there are people in certain churches who are born again, and there are people in certain churches who are not born again. There are people in charismatic, Pentecostal, evangelical churches sitting in pews and are not born again. And when they die, guess what's going to happen? They are going straight to hell. And there are people in Catholic church, Catholic churches, Anglican church, Methodist church, who will die and go to heaven because they are born again. So you cannot define who is born again based on what church you go. But at least you can tell what kind of teachings they receive based on what church they attend. Because I was a master for a long time, going to church 14 times a week. No one told me to be born again. No one told me you need your Bible. Go and read your Bible. They told me, just come. All you need is communion. Eat a communion. And go, go, go. <laughs> and then count your rosary. Rosary. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed are that woman. Blessed. I'm not saying that's bad. But I got born again and realized I didn't need that. Right. I didn't. Oh, you think you still need it? Now, if you can go for it, I'm not against it. That justification actually, justificare, all right, which is the Latin, which was uh, translated into English as justification. I'm going to explain it. Justificare has got to do with two words. Sometimes um, uh, intellectuals believe if you come across a word and you don't understand, try and break the word down. So justification, justificare is made up of justice and ficare, all right. And justice, justice, justice uh, in, the, in the Latin had to do with to make. And then ficare has to do with righteous. So justificare means to make righteous. That's how it had always been translated. So it was even translated into the English Bible, some of them, as make righteous, to make righteous, to make righteous. And so, listen to this very carefully. The, the understanding many people had was that you do some things to make yourself, to make you righteous. Okay? Justification has to do with making righteous. So Martin Luther came across it and he said, I hate the gospel. Because upon all the things we have to do, the law we have to do to appease God. Now, God is also saying that we have to make righteous by faith again. And what again can I do? This, this thing is too much. So one day, he stumbled across the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by, in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, that was what changes him and that's what started the reformation and brought the recovery of the true gospel and the true message of Christ back into the body of Christ. Now, so, so what is right? justification? That, um, that's where I want to get to and then we can continue later. Say justification. justification. In my studies and research, I found out that justification is not just to make righteous, but justification is the process of declaring someone righteous. So you come in, I say you are in, I declare you right. The process of declaring someone righteous is justification. It's the opposite of condemnation. You are doomed. Get off. Condemnation, the opposite of... So, so justification is that a process, watch this. So in biblical justification, we mean the process by which, or let me put it this way, um, the act of God by which... 
he declares sinners to be righteous by grace through faith and upon the work of Christ alone. So justification, there are three major ways that make justification justification. Is grace say grace, grace. say faith. Say Christ. Christ. So grace alone. What is grace? Grace is God at work. We're going to be dealing more of grace next week. Grace seminar. Grace is God at work. Grace is, let me put it in my own coin word. Grace is what God brings to the table. Faith is what you bring to the table. And grace and faith only operates on the grounds, on the basis of the work of Christ. Does does that make sense? And so we, how are we saying? Justification is that, I I wrote it here, if you can, the act of God by which he declares sinners to be righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. (laughs) Justification is the act of God by which he declares sinners to be righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. So you realize I didn't bring anything to the table. All you have to do is your faith, your faith. And next week, I'll, I'll explain, I'll go on to talk about the content of faith. Because when we talk about faith, it's not like, some people think, somebody was, somebody was asked, why do you believe this? He said, I believe it because my church believes it. And then he was asked, okay, but why does your church believe this? My church believes this because that's why I believe. And then they say, okay, so what does your, you and your church, what do you guys believe? They say, we believe the same thing. <laughs> In other words, sometimes if we don't take care, faith, someone comes to church, he says, okay, me, I've just surrendered to Christ. Anything at all, the church, I'll take it like that. And so the content of your faith is what validates your faith. So there shouldn't be faith without content. I'll go, to, go on that next week because faith, and the faith is predicated. That's why you can, can you, you don't know that Christ died on the cross and Christ resurrected, was buried and resurrected and you say you are born again. There's no way you can be born again if you don't know that. That's why I said the gospel is history. It's history to be announced. Tell someone. So you can, there's no way you can be, listen, there's no way you can be born again without knowing that Christ, or knowing and then believing. So you have to know. You don't say, me, I believe that church is powerful. I believe God. When I go to church, God will help me. I believe that God is a good God. That is not what makes you born again. That's what has moved people to church. Show your power, oh Lord. And we love the dancing. Oh me, everything, I believe. I believe God. I believe. No, that's not. What, what makes you born again is you believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was buried for our sins and he resurrected for our sins. That is what is if you don't know that you are not born again. <laughs> that's why I started by saying that the gospel is history to be told, to be declared. Not habits to be lived. You have to believe what that's, that history, that story, that message. The gospel is a message. It's good news. It's a message that Christ died for somebody. And Christ was buried because of somebody. And Christ was resurrected for somebody. And if you put your faith, watch this. If you put your faith in only Christ, not your works, not your church, but in only Christ, then the grace 
of God that makes you justified is released on your life. Justification, the act of God by declaring you. Say me. Me. You haven't done anything. You didn't bring anything to the table. God himself is declaring declaring you a sinner. Say me a sinner. Ah, Declaring a sinner to be righteous. Can you imagine? One day you are there. You have not done anything. You are just sitting there. Maybe you are lying on the bed. Very tired. And then you wake up from the bed. You lie on the bed. Sinner. You wake up righteous. <laughs> Having done anything. What happened was the transaction in your spirit. And in your heart. You declared. You, you believe in what Christ has done on the cross for you. You believe it. And all of a sudden the grace of God is released in your life. And God, well, God declares that you are righteous. 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 Save Christ alone. Christ alone. Man, you remember when I was starting, I said that justification by faith is like the bed is the bedrock of every Christian doctrine. If you take away justification by faith from a church, the church is fake. <laughs> the church is fake. The church is non-existent because it is the bedrock of God calling his people. And God says that you are righteous. You are righteous. He, he slaps his righteousness on you without have you having done anything, moved an arm or move a leg or shake yourself. You haven't done anything. But, and then, watch this. On the back of that, once you are righteous before God, once you are justified in God, then you can begin to talk with God. And then you can say, I am blessed. Then, that, then you can say, blessed be God who has given us all spiritual blessings in Christ. Given, then you can talk about how uh, uh, um, if God be for us, who can be against us? He says that if he, greater is he that is in us than he that is in you. If, you. if you are not justified, you can't say that. On what grounds are you saying it? Because, why can't you say Because you are a sinner. A sinner. And sinners don't have any chance in God. Outside of Christ. So justification by faith alone. I'm going to continue by taking it further. When, it's, it's, when we talk about by faith alone, what actually do we mean? Justification by faith alone. Brothers and sisters, it may look like this is a quite simple, but it is the bedrock of Christianity. And I don't want someone to be ignorant. I won't stop teaching these things because God has showed me, has laid on my heart. He said, teach my people. Teach my people. No pastor is more godly than you. That is when, that you can't say this one is a better Christian than this one. You didn't get it. You didn't get it because on what grounds are you measuring? It's Christ alone, not your works. So your justification before God, your righteousness before God, remember I was teaching last two, was it last year, last two years, Simon Eustace a peccator, at the same time, just and for 40. All right, so God says you are just, but your actions in the past, you are still guilty, kind of. Simon, at the same time, you are, God declares you just. The Bible says that, that <laughs> I like this, Romans chapter 5, I think verse 3 or verse 4, he says, that God might be just 
and the justifier of the ungodly. That's a serious one. All right. So how can you, how can someone, a criminal has just been brought from Guantanamo Bay to, to, the, to the court and the judge is supposed to preside over the case. After listening to the accusation and everything, the guy, the guy said, okay, what have you, the guy said, if I did it, I killed seven people and I'm going to kill more. And the judge, the, the judge says that you are innocent and you are free to go. And the, the judge still remains judge. You can, you, a judge can't do that and remain just. So you can't declare a criminal innocent and remain a, a, a sound judge. But God declared you and I as criminals as we may be. <laughs> he, he, Romans chapter, hey, this thing is messing my, my man. Romans chapter 3, we just read it. 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God has set forth to be the propitiation by his blood and to demonstrate uh, his righteousness. Because he's in, in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness. That, watch this, that he might be what? Just and what? And the justifier of those who just believe, haven't done anything, just believe in God, God justifies you. But God has done this. Oh, the, the, the point is, God did this. Christ had to come so that that gives God the right to declare a, an ungodly. I like the word ungodly there in Romans chapter 4. I think Romans chapter 4, verse 4 or verse 5. No, um, uh, verse, 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 yeah, verse 5. Look at it. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. He says that. But to him who does, who does not work but believes on him, believes on him, God, who justifies what? Think about it. No, think about it. You, you declare an ungodly to be righteous. And still, so that's why the Bible said that he might be just and the justifier. God can justify you. In other words, declare that you are righteous and still remain just. Why? On what grounds? Because Christ became our appropriation. He became our redemption. In Christ alone, God can do that because Christ has appeased the wrath of God. Christ, no, watch this. I didn't, what I didn't tell you about justification is justification is a legal word. It's a legal terminology. So, propitiation is a religious terminology. Whilst um, redemption is a commercial terminology, justification is a legal terminology. That means that we are, we are talking about court. Because you can't justify someone who is guilty. But God had to justify us. So Christ had to become our propitiation. Redeem us. So that now God can justify us. Once we put our faith. Right. Hallelujah. Amen. Shout I'm justified. Shout it I'm justified. Shout it again I'm justified. Stop playing church. The bedrock of Christianity is what I'm talking about. So then, ah, even when you don't feel well, even when all hell seems to break loose, when everything, nothing is working in your life, even when you are married, when you are not married, whether you have a child, you don't have a child, whether you have money, you don't have money, whether you've got a job, you don't have a job, it is not the, it's not part of the deal. So you can still walk with God in spite of, because you are favored that God should justify you a sinner. When you haven't done anything right, you haven't done anything right, Christ had to do all right, because watch this, you have been trying to do right and you are failing, because the law came that sin may abound. 
So where there is law, there is the knowledge of sin. So that every mouth will be stopped. That's what Romans chapter 3 says. You can't boast. You cannot boast. Yes, that's what he said. He said, where then is boasting? You can't boast. Because we are all guilty sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So no one has a chance. No one. No one. No one. But thanks be to God for his unspeakable gifts. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gifts. Shut I'm justified. Shut I'm justified. It is on the back of that you can address the devil. How can you address the devil who has got you? If you are not redeemed, how can you address the devil? Bible says that he has redeemed us from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of his own. So if you are not redeemed, you are in the powers of darkness. And you can't cast out demons. So the reason why we are able to cast out demons is not because of our suits. It's not got anything to do with our skin color. It's got everything to do with our positioning. God, through Christ alone. Say Christ alone. Christ alone. Oh, I feel like preaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the Christian gospel. And the more you drift away from this, the more you become vulnerable in the plans and the schemes of hell. <laughs> the more, and it's, it's happening increasingly in many charismatic churches. These, these kind of truths are being eroded gently and gradually because we are focusing, we have made some, the, the minors major, and we have made majors minors. So we are focusing on the minors. But all these things hinge on who we are in Christ. I'm justified. That's why, oh, can I say some last thing? Romans, Romans says that who is he who condemns? If anyone should condemn, it should be Christ. But instead, Romans chapter 8, 23, 34, rather he's on the right hand of God interceding on our behalf. (laughs) Who is he that condemned? It is Christ who died. He died, so he should have been able to condemn. Moreover, it's also really who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession. The one who should condemn you is rather speaking for you. Hey, we're on the cross. He said, God, forgive them. Father, forgive them. He should have condemned all of us, but he stayed on the cross just so that he can go up on the right hand of God to intercede for us. That is why, go to the next verse, you see. That's why he says that through Christ we are more than conquerors. Who shall separate us from the very love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall. Di- why is it that you are letting your distress frustrate you? You don't understand what Christ has done for you. So your, 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 your challenges, your, you don't have money. You've, the doctor said that your leg is broken. So you are now frustrated. You are cursing God upon all the things I put in the box. God, you are not doing anything for me. You, you don't understand the weight of the redemption. If you understand the weight of redemption, every other thing is weightless. So this is how Paul puts it. Paul, puts it, Paul said that my richest gain, I count them as lost. All right? Balance sheet. You have profit and loss. You know what he did? All the things that were supposed to be profit for him, he moved them to loss. And then he, he put that to loss column. And you know what? He brought Christ to gain column. <laughs> he said, everything is lost so that I can just gain Christ. 
That is the Christian gospel. That's the Christian message. Is Christ alone? Christ alone. Christ alone. Christ alone. Christ alone. Shout Christ alone. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.